The chief object of this Australasian Antarctic expedition was to investigate as far as possible the stretch of prospective but practically unknown Antarctic coast extending almost 2,000 miles in an east and west direction between the farthest west of the Terra Nova, Scott's British Antarctic expedition of 1910, and the farthest east of the Gauss, the German Antarctic Expedition of 1902, a new sphere west of the region visited by Scott and Shackleton. The program also included the scientific examination of Macquarie Island, a sub-Antarctic possession of the Commonwealth, lying some 850 miles south-southeast of Hobart. In addition to work to be conducted from land bases, provision was to be made for the ship's party to carry out extensive investigations of the ocean and its floor over the broad belt between Australia and the Antarctic continent. This latter was an important item of the program, for science is just as much interested in problems connected with the depths of the ocean as with those arising from a study of the dry land. These plans were formulated with no idea of the attainment of the South Geographic Pole, but this reflected in no way adversely upon the prospects. As it happened, the experiences and discoveries proved unusually absorbing. The procedure adopted to achieve these objects was briefly as follows. A suitable vessel was to be acquired, fitted, and equipped. Hobart was selected as the final port of departure, and from thence a course was to be set for Macquarie Island. There, it was intended to land a small party with stores and a hut to chart the island and prosecute general scientific investigations during the ensuing year. Leaving Macquarie Island, the vessel was to proceed south to the ice on the meridian of 158 degrees east longitude— to the westward of which the Antarctic program was to be conducted. After reaching the pack ice, every endeavour was to be made to penetrate to the south to reach the supposed continent. A main party, provisioned and equipped for a year's campaign, was to be landed in Antarctica on the first opportunity. There, a hut would be built to constitute a main base station from which to prosecute explorations on land. Thereafter, the ship was to proceed westward with the set of the drift in those seas, and it was confidently hoped that further landings would be made, and at least one more shore station, our western base party, be established before the end of the summer season. Having landed several parties, the vessel was to return to Hobart. The following summer, the ship was to go south once more and conclude the expedition by relieving the several land parties. The scope of our intentions was regarded by some as over-ambitious, but seeing nothing impossible in these arrangements, we continued to adhere to them as closely as possible, with what fortune remains to be told. To secure a suitable vessel was a matter of fundamental importance. The primary consideration in the design of a vessel built to navigate amid the ice is that the hull be very staunch, capable of driving into the pack and of resisting lateral pressure if the ice should close in around it. So a thick-walled timber vessel with adequate stiffening in the framework would meet the case. The construction being of wood imparts a certain elasticity which is of great advantage in easing the shock of impacts with floating ice. 
the ordinary steel ship would be ripped on its first contact with the ice. Another device to obviate the shock and to assist in forging a way through the pack ice is to have a cutaway bow. Thus, instead of presenting to the ice a vertical face, which would immediately arrest the ship and possibly cause considerable damage on account of the sudden stress of the blow, a sloping, overhanging bow is adopted. This arrangement enables the bow to rise over the impediment with a gradual slackening of speed. The immense weight put upon the ice crushes it, and the ship settles down, moving ahead and gathering speed to meet the next obstacle. Of importance second only to a strong hull is the possession of sails in addition to engines. The latter are a sine qua non in polar navigation.